Thank you for downloading this sermon from Grace Presbyterian Church. Grace is a church where people seeking more grace, more depth, and more community can start finding their way and sharing their gifts with the world. You can follow us online at graceforsufalls.org. When I was a kid, my mom was a stickler for manners. If my brothers and I ever wanted anything, we always knew that we would have to use that magic word, please. I'm sure you kids know what I'm talking about. And if anyone anywhere did anything for us, we knew that our job was to recognize that and say thank you in all situations. It didn't matter if it was just a little thing like passing the gravy or someone stepping aside so that we could go to the bathroom or even that person that gave us those vegetables that we really didn't want to eat and they gave it to us and put it on our plate. We knew that our job was to say thank you for that. See, for my mom, thankfulness wasn't at all an option. It was a way of life. It wasn't primarily about our feelings and what we thought of what was going on, but it was understanding who we were in the world and what was going on for us. And see, when we recognized the many ways that God took care of us and the many people that went out of their ways to make our lives just a little bit better, we could find ourselves being more thankful. See, if we weren't feeling thankful for something, it was our feelings that needed to change. And we needed to think rightly about whatever situation it was that we were in. See, Paul thinks similarly. He calls God's people to give thanks to God in all circumstances, thinking rightly about our reality. See, thanksgiving is a joyful response of someone who has received a good gift from someone else. Thankfulness implies a good giver and a good gift and a thoughtful recipient. And so the holiday of Thanksgiving is this beautiful reminder that we have that God's people praise him and celebrate his provision and his care that he's shown to us. While our lives should always be marked with thankfulness, this is a unique time for us to to stop and to reflect and to meditate and to praise God and thank him for his goodness to us. See, Some years, this is really, really easy. Maybe your family is doing really well or the kids have come back into town and the family is doing great and you can't wait to get together to feast and enjoy this celebration that we have together. Maybe your family has some traditions, some crazy off-the-wall things that you do together. And that's great. And this is a wonderful time for you to rejoice in the Lord and to thank Him for His many blessings. But then other years are sometimes harder. Some of us get a little bit stressed out this time of year. Sometimes we worry about hosting or cooking or cleaning. Some of us have to travel and we don't love to travel and it just seems to get so busy. Maybe your family is divided. Maybe there's some divisive topics that you don't look forward to talking about, whether it be politics or family dynamics or something else. Or maybe this is a Thanksgiving that you remember a loved one. This is a first holiday that they're absent. Maybe there's other concerns, other, other things that cloud over us. And we, we have this sense that, that though we should feel joy, it's the holiday season. We don't get to enjoy that very well. 
And so what do we do? How can we rejoice in the Lord when we feel like this? Maybe when we're feeling extra pressure or life circumstances seem to be beating us down. To answer this, we're going to look to Paul. And we want to briefly look at three things that Paul does for us in Philippians. First, he tells us what to do. He says, pray about whatever worries you are facing. Secondly, he tells us how to do it. He tells us that we should do this with thanksgiving. And then thirdly, he reveals the effect that we receive the peace of God from this. So first, Paul tells us in verse 6 to pray about whatever worries you're facing. See, Paul knows that rejoicing in the Lord at all times is really difficult. It's hard, and that's why he says it twice here in our passage. Twice he reminds them. Right? We know that the Lord is at hand. We know that it's reasonable to rejoice in the Lord. And yet, we often need these reminders. See, Calvin notes that even though we should always be rejoicing in the Lord, we're not made out of iron. We're not people that can just handle everything that comes across our way. That none of us is strong enough to face the trials of this life on our own. See, we all face insecurities and weak spots. And, and so when we get pressure in these areas, where do we turn and what do we do? See, Ed Welch says that anxious thoughts are a prediction about something important that's in trouble. And we worry that it's going to fall apart. He says that the tricky part about this type of worrying is that it's something that you feel today, but it's actually the stories that you're telling yourself about tomorrow, these bad or worst case scenarios that are to come. And so Paul gives us this instruction saying, don't be anxious about anything. And don't we want to just ask anything? Like, Paul, anything? Yes, anything. That's exactly what Paul is saying. He uses language that doesn't allow us to have exceptions to this. See, he knows that the Philippians are anxious right now. He knows that they're, they're worried, that they're burdened. And if we think about it, uh, they had a lot of good reasons to be anxious. I mean, Paul, the man, he, he's in prison right now. And they're worried about him. And he's also facing a death sentence, that there's, there's a possibility that he'll, he'll either die or he'll go free, and they're worried they may not see him again. Their friend, Epaphroditus, who, if, well, anyway, if anyone's going to have kids, keep that name in mind, but he, he, was, he went with this gift to Paul, and he got sick, sick to the point of death, and he almost died. And so the Philippians are, are worried about him. How's he doing? Paul is writing to the Philippians, talking about the pressures uh, that are coming to the church, both from the inside and from the outside. right? And so we know that there's a lot of issues going on in the Philippian church, and Paul is, is writing to them. And he's telling them, don't be anxious, that their anxiety had taken them off course, that they weren't rejoicing in the Lord that they should be. And so Paul writes to them to help them correct their course. And what's the antidote that Paul gives them to this worry, to this concern that they have in their lives? Well, it's constant prayer. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Isn't that a beautiful thing, people of God? That God 
calls his people to pray and to come to him constantly and to heap all of our worries and all of our anxieties, everything upon him. See, Peter tells us to cast all your anxieties upon God before, because he cares for you. And then in Psalm 55, we hear the psalmist tell us to cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. I mean, what an amazing gift that we've been given by our God. That he tells us to cast our anxieties and our concerns and our worries and everything upon him. See, our God is a good father. And like a good father, he wants to hear from us and to remind us that he's got us covered. He wants to hear about the things that are bothering us and help us remember that he's the one that's sustaining us and keeping us on course. He wants us to come to him and tell him about everything. Moms and dads, I'm sure that you can relate with this, that that if your children are burdened, if your children are struggling, you want them to come to you. You want them to speak to you. You want them to come and tell you what's going on in their lives. And we know that God, as as a king, as our king, is capable of dealing with everything, that nothing is beyond his control. And we know that as a father, we recognize that nothing is too small or too insignificant for us to bring to his attention. See, he's both strong enough to deal with our situations and our circumstances. And he's also loving and he's caring towards us. And we know that he'll always do what is right. And knowing this about God should lead us into his presence more. Right? We should come to him. We should be constantly praying. We should be communing with God and receiving his care. And yet, we still need to be reminded, just like the Philippians, that this is something that God has given to us, that this is a door that is open. I love how the song, um, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, puts it. It says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Why is it that we don't pray more? Is it because maybe we're too proud to ask for help? Or maybe we're too ashamed, like maybe we should be stronger than we are and and we feel kind of ashamed asking God for help. Or maybe it's just that we forget that our habits and times of difficulty haven't been trained to first go to the Lord in prayer and then to act. Whatever the reason, we can rejoice that God is on our side and always is ready to meet us. That he is not angry with his children. That he's not watching from heaven and seeing, watching us as we go about our lives, waiting for us to mess up and then looking to discipline us. No, God is a loving father and he's always available to us. We never need an appointment. He'll never leave us in the waiting room. We can always come right into his presence. So go to him and pour out your heart to him, knowing that he hears the prayers of his children. But notice that Paul doesn't just tell us to pray. He also tells us to bring our prayers to how to bring our prayers to the Lord in verse six. And it's with thanksgiving. See, have you ever questioned why why Paul put these two words in there? I've often thought it might flow better if you had just left them out. He could have said in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. 
And this flows really nicely, and you might not have even noticed that we left two words out. So why does Paul insert these two words, with thanksgiving, into this? Well, for one thing, many of us don't think this way naturally, so we need this reminder that we're to come to the Lord with thanksgiving. See, it's easy to be thankful when things are happy, seeing how God provides for ourselves and our friends and our family, that when we have our prayers answered, when life is going well, and it's important that we remember that these are times that we should be thankful to the Lord. It is good to be thankful during these times. But not many of us look at the difficult things in life and the hard situations and think that maybe Thanksgiving is the way we should respond to this. These are seem like problems to be fixed, things that God needs to straighten out for us. Yet, regardless of our situation, Paul calls us to pray with Thanksgiving. And this makes sense if we're willing to think about it for a minute. The fact that we can pray at all is a great reason for us to give thanks to God. Like we already said, prayer is a glorious gift that God has given to his children. See, God hears us and he meets us. We know that Christ purchased for us access to the Father by his sacrifice. That even when we're broken, even when we're confused, even when we don't know what to pray for, we're told that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We know that we come to the Father and He hears our prayers. So the nature of prayer itself, communing with our triune God, is great reason for us to give thanks. We get to bring our circumstances to the One who can deliver us, thanking Him for His listening ear and the gift of prayer. There's other reasons as well. As Mark said earlier, one of the greatest ways that we can be thankful, even in difficult circumstances, is by looking back, by remembering God's faithfulness towards us in the past. I mean, think about Paul's situation here in Philippi. In chapter 1, he told us that he's in prison, and even though the, the Philippians are praying for his deliverance, Paul is thankful for his imprisonment. I mean, it's such a strange thing. He's so thankful because all of these Roman guards have to come in and they have to guard Paul. And Paul has access to them. And so he gets to preach the gospel to all these men that would never listen to him any other way. Not only that, but the believers are bold in preaching the gospel. And then those who are trying to harm Paul are also preaching the gospel. And so Paul says we can rejoice and be thankful for God's good work that he's done in my imprisonment. That even though you're praying that I get out of here, God had a greater plan. A plan that he was going to use my imprisonment. Even his buddy Epaphroditus, when he got sick, God healed him. And so everyone can now give thanks for what God has done. And so by looking back, Paul says that we can remember God's faithfulness and we can be thankful in our present situations because we have seen God's hand in our lives in the past. And we can all look back on our own lives and we can ask, how have we seen God's faithfulness? But we need to stop and we need to reflect and we need to to look back at our lives. Maybe there's been times that you've been got the joy of standing outside of your smoking vehicle waiting for the tow truck to come up, not knowing what you're going to do next, not knowing even how you're going to get home. And yet you're here tonight. God provided in some way. 
Maybe the, the house, you've had a, a project that was overwhelming and you didn't know what to do, uh, but God still provides. Whatever it is, whether it's a career move or, or praying for our child's spiritual estate or the health of loved ones, however God chooses to work, God is faithful. He often does give us relief in difficult situations, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't bring us the relief that we want, that we ask for, that we're looking for, we know that he's good. And we know that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. As Pastor Mark said, we can think about this communally as, as a congregation as well. Look at this past year at Grace and look at God's goodness and his faithfulness to us. We've prayed for babies and, and they've been healthy babies. We've prayed for adoptions, for surgeries, for recoveries, for clean scans, for tranquility through difficult seasons of life. We've asked, we just a year ago, we were asking for a new space and, and here we are. I mean, God has been so incredibly good to us. He's been so faithful to us, giving us so much more than we deserve, so much more than we even think to ask for. And so we can rejoice in whatever situation we're in, thankful because we can look back and we can see God's good track record. See, we must train our minds to look back at God's faithfulness in our lives so that when difficulties come, our knee-jerk reaction will be to look to God's faithfulness and to remember that with thanksgiving. Paul also says that we can be thankful to God in hardships because God is in control and he's the God of the future, that he holds the future as well. See, back in chapter 1, Paul said that he's in prison and he's awaiting this judgment. He doesn't know if he's going to go free or if he's going to die for his faith. But he says it's okay because God's holding it in his hands. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so whatever happens, it doesn't matter to Paul because God is in control and God will do what is good. In Paul's mind, the future was all in God's hands. He rejoiced not because of what the future, because he knew what the future would look like, but because he knew the God who held the future. And he could trust him for that. So like Paul, we can be thankful in our troubles because we know God is using them for a good purpose. That God uses them to refine us and to sanctify us and to draw us nearer to himself and to remember, help remind us that we need to rely on him more to show that he's sufficient in areas where we're not to teach us about his great love for us to deliver us, to strengthen others, to increase the thanksgiving of his people. We can't possibly fully fathom how God is using our current trials, but we can remember to thank him for whatever good he is working in and through them. It's not natural for us to pray this way, to be thankful in our hardships. But I do pray that we would be people that can trust the Lord deeply. That we can be thankful even in those areas that cause us anxiety. Even in those areas that cause us to worry. As we present our requests to the Lord with thanksgiving, look at what God gives us. He gives us peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. See, God doesn't promise to give us 
whatever it is that we ask for. But he does promise to give us something greater. Peace that will guard our hearts and our minds. See, as Paul talks about anxiousness, he knows that it can be such a battlefield that we struggle not to worry. And we sometimes even fight to pray, much less with thanksgiving. And what do we need in this war? Well, we we need peace. We need a guard that will come and keep the enemy out to give us rest and to hold us secure. See, the Philippians were used to seeing Roman soldiers around, and their job was to keep the city safe. They were guarding it and keeping order. And God gives a guard too. He gives his peace that will protect us, a peace that we cannot manufacture, a peace that only he can give to us. See, peace with God means resting in him regardless of the storms that we're facing. It means more than not just being against God. It's a fullness and a wholeness, a restoration and well-being. It's this this word shalom that we often talk about. And God gives us this shalom, peace that is beyond understanding. It's an objective reality, something real that we experience and we grow in. But notice how we get it. How do we receive it? We receive it in Christ Jesus. See, it's because of Jesus that we have peace with God, that God gives his peace to us. It's our union with him as we're sealed in the Holy Spirit. And if you have faith in Christ then all the benefits that Paul has been talking about belong to you, that to you belongs access to the father, to you belongs a heart that is filled to the in filling, filling over bubbling over with thanksgiving to you belongs this confidence that God is working through human history for the good of his people. See, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, has come and he's won our battle for us. And nothing in this world can ever separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are fully loved and there's nothing that you need to do to earn that. And there's nothing that you need to do to keep that because it's by faith. By faith, we're made partakers in Christ Jesus. And so we turn to the Lord in faith. During this Thanksgiving, it's a great time for us to reflect on thankfulness that we can remember the Lord our God. And so I ask you to turn to the Lord in prayer during this Thanksgiving season. Pray always with thanksgiving. And receive this peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening. You can find more sermons from Grace and information about joining us for worship by visiting our website at graceforsufalls.org. We also invite you to visit the iTunes store and subscribe to the Sermons of Grace podcast.